Good morning, church, and uh, I want to welcome you here as well. I, my name is Pastor Quentin Unger. I'm one of the pastors here, and I've really been enjoying this series that we've been going through, and as we go through this series, just like us, it is our wish that, in a sense, we see ourselves as part of God's story. And as we read of how God worked in different characters in the Bible, we identify how He can also work in our lives. So when we are looking at these characters, it is not our wish that we see them as examples for us to merely be like them. We are being called to be like Jesus. But yet, as we look at the characters in this series and as we read in the scriptures of God, how God has worked in others, we can also see what God wants to do in us. So we want to take a look at a, a very fascinating character today, and it's the character of John Mark. And uh, many of you will recognize the name by one of the, the third book in the New Testament, it's the, or the second book in the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark. So we want to kind of look at the character behind um, this book and who he was and how God did a work in him. And maybe some of us can see ourselves in his story this morning. As we look at who John Mark was, there's a lot of uh, mystery around his character. And as today, as I, I speak on his character, a lot of, a lot of the points I'm going to be making are are maybe based on some assumptions that we are making by reading the text, and then also based on uh, some church traditions. And so um, I'm going to do my best to be biblically faithful in that way, but there is um, some speculation as to who he was based on the few passages of Scripture we have in the New Testament. But that being said, there are enough clues for us who he was and how God worked in, her, in his life and I want to uh, encourage us today with those points. Several marks are mentioned in the New Testament. And uh, there's, there's Mark and then there's John Mark. There are some scholars who believe these accounts address different marks. But as I've studied it, and many, most scholars uh, believe and agree that John Mark and Mark refer to the same character. And that's the position I'm going to take today. So who was John Mark? Firstly, we read in Scripture that he was most likely a Diaspora Jew. So what does that mean? That means that he was a Jew of the ethnic Jew that was born outside of Palestine or Jerusalem. And one of the reasons why we believe this, or many scholars believe this, is because of his name. And also church tradition um, has taught that he grew up and was born in Cyprus. But his name, John, Mark, represents two different cultures. One is a, a Hebrew name, John, and the other one is a Roman name, which is Mark. And so this kind of helps us understand why his name is used differently in different passages of Scripture. So in the book of Acts, when we're introduced to him, he's referred to John Mark. And in the setting where we meet him, he's in Jerusalem. So there, his Jewish brothers and sisters and, and uh, his friends would refer to him by his Jewish name. And then when we read about him in the epistles, most of those were written to a Gentile audience, and they would have known him by his Greek name. So that's uh, one way we can understand why his name is used a little bit differently depending on um, where it is recorded. Like I already mentioned, 
He was most likely born in Cyprus. It's an island, a Greek island um, off of Greece. And uh, his, his cousin, as we'll look at later, was mentioned to be from there. And we see that in Acts chapter 4, verse 36. So that's kind of where he was born, where he comes from. And then we also read in Scripture that he was around. He was, he, he, we don't know exactly how he was involved or how involved he was, but he was around when Christianity was formed. So he was in many ways a spectator to the formation of this, this new Jesus way, the way of following Christ. And he was an observer as this new way was being formed. There's a really interesting passage in Mark chapter 14, verses 50 to 52. And it's one of the passages of Scripture that, frankly, kind of cracks me up in Scripture. And it says this. And this is when um, Jesus was um, in the garden and he was getting arrested. And it says, everyone deserted him and fled. So his disciples were there. They all fled. And then it says, a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. So kind of a, a really strange story. And its inclusion is kind of curious as well. And um, who's this young man? Many scholars believe and I, I believe that this is referring to the author who wrote this book. And so he says, why wouldn't he say, I was there? Well, we see a pattern in the Gospel of John as well. John refers to himself in the third person as well. So this quite possibly, like I said, we don't know for certain that this was John Mark. But quite possibly this is him referring to himself, giving him some credibility, showing us that he was around when Christianity was just getting its start. Secondly, we read in, in Acts that his family, namely his mother's household, was a key place and his mom was a key figure in the early church. Acts chapter 12, the, ver, uh, the first verse, uh, verse 12, it says, When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. So in the context of what's happening here, Peter has been in prison. The angels have released, uh, released him from prison, and he's out of prison, going back to where Christians are meeting regularly. And the setting of this place was John Mark's mother, Mary. And so this is a different Mary than the mother of Jesus. But we see that his mother was a, a very key part in the early church. From this, we gather a few interesting points. One of them being is that John Mark most likely came from a very wealthy home. Um, someone who had a house big enough for Christians to gather and to pray was a person that had quite a bit of money. So he most likely came from a richer family. It is also very interesting to note from this passage that there's someone that is not mentioned in this passage. And that is John Mark's father. So it refers to this being the household of Mary, which kind of leads us to believe that John Mark, at least in this point of his life, was without a father. And I think this, this key clue helps us to understand why John Mark struggled with some of the things that he did. And um, he was most like, 
and this is something that I, I found in kind of reading some of the church uh, history and church traditions. Most likely, John Mark did not believe in Jesus until after Jesus had ascended. And so this kind of helps us to understand kind of his process of wrestling with this new faith, wrestling with what was happening in his mother's household, and coming to terms of what it meant for him personally. And so uh, Eusebius, I think that's how you pronounce his name, said, um, clearly records in the 4th century, he had not heard of the Lord, nor had he followed him prior to um, the ascension. So if it is to be believed that he was the young man who was in the garden when Jesus was arrested, we have kind of a picture growing of a person that was around the formation of Christianity. A very curious individual and a person who wanted to be in the midst of the action. And over and over we read in the Gospel of Mark how Mark describes his gospel as it's almost like an action movie. Just one thing after another and nothing is we get the sense that nothing was ever done with, with a slow pace. Everything was just immediately, immediately. So he's a person that wanted to get right in the action. So he was curious about this new movement, and he was part of, he was around it. And we don't know exactly when he started to take it seriously. And then another thing that we learn about uh, Mark was that Paul and Barnabas saw something in him. In Acts chapter 12, just further in Acts chapter 12, the passage we just read, we, we see this. And when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. So here, we, we kind of piece some pieces together. Most likely, John Mark was not at home when Peter showed up from prison, but he was living somewhere else. We don't know exactly where that was. But on the way back from their missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas pick up John Mark to help them, help them in their ministry. And then further in Acts chapter 13, verses 4 and 5, it teaches us this. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed there from there to Cyprus. When they arrived in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. Now here's another cue. John was with them as their helper. So what was John Mark doing? We don't really know. But here again, we kind of um, can't maybe go to speculation and go to church tradition a little bit. Most likely, he was a, uh, a, a travel assistant, a secretary, or just planning and assisting with the practical needs of the traveling ministry group. So as we kind of follow this character, we don't really know how his heart is invested in the mission of what God is doing yet. We see him as a person who's interested and, and is getting practically involved, but we don't know exactly how this faith has made, been made personal for him yet. And we also see, like I mentioned before, that he's the cousin of Barnabas. So Barnabas would have known about him, he was his cousin. And that was why he advocated for him. Colossians chapter 4, verses 10, it says, and here is referring um, to Barnabas and, um, and Mark. It says, My fellow prisoner, um, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him if he comes to you 
welcome him. And then one of the other key things we see about John Mark is that he lacked maturity early in his life. So as we follow the character of John Mark, we kind of see how he starts, we see how he was, in, was around the formation of Christianity, and now we start to kind of see who was he as a person? What was his shortcomings? And here we read in Acts chapter 15, verses 36 to 41. So remember how we read in Acts 12 and Acts 13 that Paul and Barnabas took John Mark with them on their missionary journey. And somewhere along the way, something happened, and this is the account of it. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all of the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. Just stop there for a moment. So they had, this is uh, one of the, the second missionary journey, and he, uh, Paul and Barnabas wanted to go on the next trip. And then Barnabas says, hey, we took John Mark last time, let's take him again. Now listen to what uh, Paul says next. He says, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he has deserted them and Paphilia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So here we, we see something happened during this missionary trip that John Mark was joining Paul and Barnabas. It says that he deserted them. So here again, we might just speculate what happened. Why did he desert them? We don't know for sure. The Bible doesn't tell us. But there might be a few reasons why he deserted them. One of the reasons may be that John Mark just simply became bored. Not enough excitement, you know, carrying Paul's bags around, not cool, not exciting. Writing down the, uh, the events that they were part of, just not that exciting. He's like, this is it, I want to go back to Jerusalem or wherever I'm from and do a more, uh, have a more exciting life. Another reason is, perhaps, that Paul and Barnabas and the group were experiencing persecution. And John Mark, he's like, I don't got time for this. This is not worth it. And so he deserted the group and went back to where he came from. But I think more than likely, the reason why John Mark deserted them had to do with his understanding of the gospel. And um, here the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible and some other scholars speculate that quite possibly Mark has reservations about the wisdom of evangelizing Gentiles such as we see in chapter 13, verses 12, without requiring some attachment to Judaism, a problem of conscience over which the early church had to meet and to kind of figure it out. And we've talked about how um, Acts chapter 15 is a very central event in the Christian history. And so here is the problem that, that uh, a major tension in the early church 
Up to that point, salvation had always been through the Jewish people. So in a sense, the way that people came to God was by becoming a Jew. And Christ came and he fulfilled that. He was the Jewish Messiah. He was the one that all of the Jewish faith had been pointing to. And one of the main tensions of the early church was those that were Jewish wanted to require those who were not Jewish to become Jews first before they became Christians so that they would be Jewish Christians. And this was a matter of major contention. And John Mark most likely struggled with this as well. He was dysphoria Jew. He had to become a Jew before he had to become a Christian. And so him, or John, uh, John Mark not being able to process this, most likely left because he was not comfortable with how the gospel was presented. The interesting thing is, this is where the book of Acts leaves us with our picture of John Mark. So if all we had about John Mark was what we see in Acts, we would see a person who left, whose lasting legacy would be that he deserted Paul and Barnabas. That's not the end of his story. And I want the fact that it's not the end of this story to be an encouragement to us today. There's a redemption of uh, John Mark, and we'll read kind of how God redeemed and how John Mark allowed himself to be redeemed in his life. Sometime later, John Mark began assisting Peter in his ministry. So we we read in Acts that he was assisting Barnabas, but later um, he uh, starts to assist Peter in his ministry as well. He becomes so important to Peter that Peter calls him his son in the first epistle. His first epistle. First Peter chapter 5, verses 13 says, She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you his greetings. So he's referring to the church in the place he was referring to Babylon. And so does my son Mark. So we see the redemption. We can kind of see that the end of Mark's, John Mark's story did not end with him deserting. He, can, he, uh, he allowed God to change his, his character so that he was a tremendous help uh, to Peter. Most likely, Peter met John Mark sometime along his way to Rome. So the passage of Scripture that we alluded to in, in Acts chapter 12 um, happened around 41 A.D. And then he traveled through Asia Minor sometime after that, and around 42 A.D. or so, most likely met John Mark on his journeys. And this is the source material, the source person, the source apostle from whom Mark takes his account of Jesus' ministry and his gospel and records it for us. So Mark himself is not an apostle, but he is recording the words and and the inspiration from Peter, most likely, um, who was an apostle and an eyewitness of Jesus. But the story... The, the, the story of his redemption does not end with Peter. He ended up reconciling with Paul. And at the end of Paul's life, we see that John Mark um, came for full circle and Paul accepted him as a fellow worker. So about 11 years passed between Acts chapter 11 
and how and uh, the end of Paul's ministry and life, he writes letters out to the different churches while in prison. And one of them is in Philemon, the other is 2 Timothy, and so on. We'll read how Paul ended up seeing John Mark. In Philemon chapter 23, 25, it says this, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Jesus Christ, sends you greetings. So does Mark, Epaphras, Demas, Luke, and then listen to what he calls Mark, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So after not being allowed to travel with Paul, he does up ending, end up gaining the trust of Paul and serving along with him. Paul recognized the potential in John Mark in the beginning of his ministry. And later we see character transformation in John, Paul's soul, or John Mark so that uh, he w- uh, served along with Paul. But Paul valued him more than just a fellow worker. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9-11, to 11, teaches us this. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, had deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescent has gone to Galatia, Titus to, to Domitia. Only Luke is here with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Remember how we read this list of men in Philemon chapter 1, or Philemon verses 23 to 25? Many of those men now had abandoned Paul. Sounds familiar, right? But who had not abandoned Paul? Is John Mark. So we see here the redemption, and, and if we are going to submit to the work and transformation of God in our own lives, we too can be transformed. It was in Paul's loneliest time, probably knowing that his time was done, that he asks for the very person that deserted him because he trusted him. And then according to Coptic tradition, John Mark after the martyrdom of Paul, um, moved to Alexandria and became one of the founding bishops in that area. And so he was part of the um, tradition that started in Alexandria and became the Coptic um, tradition. Most likely martyred in about 68 AD as he was hung by and lynched by an angry pagan mob. So what are some lessons we can take from John Mark's life? I think there's a, there's a few key lessons, and I think one, some of these are very applicable for us who grew up in a Christian home and around church. And the first one is that being around Christianity doesn't make you a Christian. Being around Christianity doesn't make you a Christian. So as we see the early days of John Mark's life, we see him be around Christ, be around the church, and yet, it, it seems like it didn't become personal for him. And in a group like this, I know that's some of you. Some of you have been around the church. Some of you have been around Christ. Some of you have been around Christians. And for some of you, Christ has not yet become personal for you. Being, just being around Christians, just being around the church does not make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian? When the same Jesus that you hear being sung about, 
When the same Jesus you, you hear about doing miracles in other lives, the same Jesus that you hear about saving other people, that same Jesus becomes your Savior, your Lord, and your friend. That is through whom you are saved. You are not saved by going to church. You're not saved by being born into a Christian family. You're only saved when you personally accept Jesus as your Savior. Second point we read from Mark is that being around Christianity doesn't make you mature. John Mark had some major immaturity in his life. He was prone to desertion. Maybe being following the action wherever it was and lacked the maturity to really embrace the potential that he had. John, or John Mark had to be on his own journey. Sometimes we get involved with things for which we are not ready. His character was not ready for his first missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas. Our weaknesses and our maturity will be exposed. It is not what you know about God that will determine how you thrive in your walk with Christ. It is your character. And here's a very, very important thing about Christian character. Christian character is not absorbed, it's developed. So you can't just assume, well, I'm around all of these Christian people. I'm around churches. I'm around Christian siblings. I grew up in a Christian home. Christian character will not automatically be absorbed into your life. It is when you submit personally to the work of God in your life that transformation really happens. And we see this transformation happen in John Mark's life. But the good news is, and this is another point we take from John Mark's life, and that is that our immaturity and failings do not have to be our lasting legacy. So with this, I would encourage us this morning to be aware, be self-aware of our own shortcomings and immaturities. Be honest with ourselves where we come short. But I also want to encourage those of us who look around us and we see people with tremendous potential and we see their character shortcomings. But let us look past their present immaturity to what God can do in them and what God will do in them as he works out that immaturity in them. I want to speak to maybe just uh, maybe a little bit of a narrow group this morning as well. And that is those of you who grew up without a father or a present father, especially you as young men. We see kind of how John Mark floundered in his life. He didn't have that father figure kind of bringing that stability. He made some mistakes because of it. But his immaturity, his lack of having a father figure in his life was not his lasting legacy and it doesn't have to be yours either. We see how he came under the mentorship of Peter. We see how he worked hard on his character and he became a tremendous fellow worker of Paul. And that can be you too. Your past does not determine your future. Submitting to Christ and his work in your life, that is what determines your future. So if you grew up with a distant father, or maybe no father at all, that does not have to be your legacy. It's not John Mark's legacy, and it doesn't have to be yours either. 
And then trust the process that God has you in. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. All sounds really good, right? And we boast in the glory of God. Now we come to the parts of the verses that are maybe not so pleasant. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So he, ta- he begins here and he's, he's talking about boasting in the hope of the glory of God. But there is no shortcut to hope according to these verses. Hope comes through suffering. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance changes character. And out of an abundance of godly character comes hope. So God is doing a work in each one of you. Trust his process. Trust his work. So that out of the abundance of godly character, you can have that eternal hope and that eternal peace that guides us. As we think of the character of John Mark, I find his life very fascinating. There's many other things that I could have said about um, who he was and things that we could speculate about him. But I want to, again, summarize and maybe invite us to two things. One, I want to speak to those of you who have grown around, up around church, grown up around Christians, grown up in Christian homes, but yet Christ is not, still not personally Lord of your life. I want to encourage you, today is the day to give your life to Him. People might, you might think, people will think that I'm crazy. I, I might be embarrassed. For so many years, I've been telling people and kind of giving off this vibe that I, I got this. I grew up in a Christian home. Surely everyone else assumes I'm in Christ already. But if you've never taken that step, simply get over your pride. Come to Christ. And I can assure you, He will accept you. He will transform you. You become a new person, a person of godly character. That will not happen by just being around Christians. It happens by being around Christ. Others of you, I want to encourage, perhaps today, all you see is your failings. All you see is your immaturities. I want to encourage you today, that does not have to be your legacy. Submit to the work of God in your life. And you will be amazed of what God does with your life. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, today as we look at this character of John Mark, we recognize in many ways he is just like us. Many of us grew up in Christian homes. Many of us grew up around church. Many of us see our shortcomings. Many of us see our immaturity. And yet, in the same way you did a tremendous work in John Mark, today we invite you, God, come and change us. Work in our character, work in our perseverance so that we can be the difference makers. We don't read that John Mark was a leading figure in the early church, 
but we see what kind of profound eternal impact he made because he trusted the process that you had for him. God, today, call us to yourself. Change us so that we can experience eternal hope in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um,